Hello and welcome to the Recovery Matters Podcast from CCAR, the podcast where putting recovery first is always the goal. Here we present interviews, discussions, stories, and speeches to cultivate the understanding and acceptance of the power, hope, and healing of recovery from alcohol and other addictions. Here are your hosts, Phil and Sandy Valentine. Hello and welcome to the Recovery Matters Podcast. We're doing something a little bit different this week. Uh, myself, Don Smith, and... My name's Tom Russo, CCARX Communications Manager. And we're uh, stepping in to fill Phil and Sandy's shoes this week. And this week we have the honor and the privilege to be talking to Stacy Charpentier. Stacy, do you want to give an intro about yourself? Sure. My name is Stacy Charpentier. I'm the director of training here at CCAR, and we are in the CCAR administrative offices today on a rather rainy morning. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. CCAR training, the global leader in recovery coach training. Stacy, how many people have we trained so far? We have cha- trained upwards of 50,000 people. Wow. Yeah, since we started back in 2008 with the pilot. So, and to yeah. give people a little more scope, um, you know, obviously we tr- we have core trainers scattered throughout the United States, but where are some other places where our flagship training, the Recovery Coach Academy, has been? executed. Yeah, so we actually, a few years ago, uh, Phil and another one of our core trainers had went to Vietnam to train. Um, We have two trainers that are actually kicking off and doing a Recovery Coach Academy. They have it set up. They um, were able to attend trainings virtually due to COVID-19, and so they're setting up shop in the UK. And um, one thing that I'm really excited about is we just had our first participant participate last week in an RCA um, trained by one of our trainers in New York from Dubai. Half a world away, yeah. Yeah. Um, How have you guys dealt with the the shift to the virtual? Oh, it was a lot of work. Um, So we were in the middle of training one of our largest RCAs live in person um, the week that COVID really hit Connecticut and started shutting locations down. And we were told on a Thursday evening that that Friday would be the last day that we were gonna be able to utilize the facility because we were using a local community college to host our trainings. And we had started to um, develop a virtual curriculum using um, a subject matter expert who's developed curriculum Um, for virtual delivery um, for the RCA and for ethics. So we had a model and we quickly had to shift gears and that Monday, because we had a full class ready and waiting to go to ethics, we started, um, our RCA was 56 people. The ethics was around 50-ish and we had 25 people. A lot of people were wanting to get home, um, but we had about 25 people who came on for our inaugural delivery of our ethics curriculum online that very first time. And Sandy Valentine, who is the host of this podcast, and I were able to deliver that um, for the first time virtually. And since then, we have just been rolling um, with the delivery of trainings virtually. Yeah, I've been so impressed just by the way you guys were able to pivot while so much stuff was going on in the state that we are you know, operating out of. 
you guys are able to pivot and and kind of take advantage of you know the situation and i'd love to return to the this concept of the virtual model but maybe we could go bring it back just a little bit to explain to folks who don't really know so much about our trainings um we talked about rca recovery coach academy being trained all over the world um tell us a little bit about the recovery coach academy and how it came to be sure so we started, obviously, CCAR is a recovery community organization, and we are mainly staffed in our centers by volunteers that are looking to give service and to be there to be support to people who are coming in, um, either looking for recovery support services or just looking to do something with their day. And the RCA was developed to give our volunteers skills to be able to reach out and help support other people in recovery and to be able to do it in a meaningful way. And so that's really how the RCA came to be. It was to give people a really good basic understanding of how to connect, how to ask those good questions, and how to support people without getting their own kind of personal biases in the way. Or, you know, well, if you just do my pathway and do it this way, the way I did it, you'll be successful because one size doesn't fit all. Um, And so the RCA really begins to explore um, what people's own personal definitions of recovery are like. We look at um, really how we can honor multiple pathways of recovery and the communication skills that we're able to utilize to be able to connect with people in a really meaningful way. And so that's why I really look at the RCA as kind of like an introduction to not only just recovery coaching, but even understanding and how to support people in a recovery process. So whether you're looking to be a recovery coach or go into peer support services, or you're a family member or an ally who just wants to know more, that's where the RCA to me really kind of hits home. You know, one of the things that jumps out to me uh, at the RCA RCA trainings, because you know, I, I took the RCA and I took the ethics class and uh, I really like that you mentioned the allies because, you know, there are people that are in recovery that go to the Recovery Coach Academy. There are also people who are allies. And I think, you know, for myself, I'm a person in recovery. And, um, you know, when I first was trying to get my life together, there weren't a huge amount of recovery resources. And as time has gone on, that, that really has expanded but I think the allies and the families um, a lot of times aren't really thought about with what goes on in recovery. You know, the, the recovery, people who are in recovery these days can find resources and other people to talk to in recovery. But, um, you know, sometimes the allies get left by the wayside and the families just are an observer to what's happening. And I think that, you know, um, you know can you talk about how the recovery movement pulls in these other people and makes them a part of the process as well. Absolutely. So I came to CCAR as a family member. My father was somebody who struggled with addiction for much of his life. And it wasn't until I took the RCA and I took it because I became employed here. You know, I didn't realize how much of the recovery process I didn't know about. You know, my father had went 
from treatment to treatment to treatment, was constantly offered AA, didn't like it. <laughs> I can't tell you how many 30-day coins I have of his that he was just not successful at it. And as a family member, understanding a little bit more that there are other ways that people recover, that my expectations, when you look at the piece that we go through on the stages of recovery, you know, as someone who had my dad go into all of those treatment experiences, when he came back, we had these very high expectations that he was going to be back to being my dad. And it doesn't end at 30 days. It doesn't end at 90 days. Like, But we, I think sometimes as family members or allies, because we don't understand it and we are grasping for whatever miracle might take hold, we have these high expectations. And when we expect people to go through a 30-day thing and be back to quote-unquote normal, we're going to be let down or we're going to be constantly pushing them and pressuring them to be something that they're not able to do. They have so much more of a journey. And I think by allowing other people a glimpse into something that they may not have even an idea about or an iota of what it means to go through this process, one, we're allowing people to kind of be part of it and to hear other people in recovery and their story and their perspectives and we're actually starting to chip away at the stigma that yes. goes along with it. Because when I went to the RCA, I was surrounded with pe- from people who had been through it. And so even though like I knew my dad's story, I got to hear from about 20 other people how recovery affected their lives. And it started to give me an idea of, wow, this is anybody of any walk of life can be affected by this. And everybody's journey is different, you know, instead of thinking like everybody has to go to meetings or to treatment or to this, it can look like anything to anybody. And I wouldn't have known that if I didn't go to the RCA. And, uh, you know, I like that you bring up the multiple pathways because at CCAR, you know, that's something that our recovery coaches really do, uh, our recovery coaches and our recovery community centers uh, focus on multiple pathways. And, you know, I came in to CCAR and, you know, my history in recovery really focused on 12-step fellowships, um, which I still to this day enjoy and love. But, you know, it, it was amazing meeting Phil because kind of the idea is I like my brand of pickup trucks and I think it hauls rocks the best. Mm-hmm. Okay, we've got four other brands of pickup trucks sitting next to it. They'll all haul, haul rocks too. No, no, wait, but I like where my CD player is and where my, you know, how I adjust my mirrors. You know, uh, I'm not, it's been great over the past year because I'm not um, dismissive of those other pathways. And, and it sounds like, you know, now that you get to be a part of the RCA and really jumping into it and, and you know, you kind of run the show over at training right now, which is, which is wonderful, um, you know, do you see it as an opportunity to keep giving people the chance that you had to see how recovery works? Absolutely. And I think... Right now, one of the pieces that I have, you know, shifting a little bit into our time of COVID-19, people have only um, had access to meetings in their community 
So if you were a recovery coach and you wanted to learn about different meetings to kind of put those resources in their toolkit, you had to go to some meetings, talk to some people, find out what those experiences were like. Now, because so many meetings are being done virtually, you can literally click on your smartphone, click on a computer, and you can be a fly on the wall in any of the many recovery support meetings that are out there and that's just going to give you more resources so when you are meeting that person who says to you i've tried that it doesn't work for me what didn't you like what did you like and let me try to tell you some other ideas that you might want to latch on to you know i think the one thing that you know we kind of look at people having this choice and you know, well, why would you choose that pickup truck over this pickup truck or whatever? Mine's better. I mean, we do that a lot with a lot of different things, dieting, the way we eat, the way we exercise, so many things. But we see that people are successful with what works best for them. So why not allow people that same choice when it comes to their recovery pathway? Yeah. Yeah, I've heard I've heard the ana- a similar analogy. Um, you know, there's many pathways up the up, up a mountain, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, you know, perhaps AA and NA is the carriage trail, as Phil says. But it would be as if, you know, two people who had gone up different pathways up there arguing about which was the right way to get there. You both are on the top of the mountain. Who really cares how you got there? <laughs> exactly. Um, and I love how what you basically said was, a moment ago is that education breaks stigma, mm-hmm. um, especially for, you know, folks that may be sober curious, curious about the movement, family members, friends, allies who don't know a whole lot about recovery other than what they've seen in their loved one and then whatever information they've gotten. We know that there's a lot of bad information out there about recovery, substance use, all that. And um, how are you not going to be hard on someone if you only know about one pathway in, in treatment? You know, like if, if, if the only thing that you've ever heard about as far as the way to deal with addiction is to go to a program for 30 days and then come home and start going to toss a fellowship and then you see your loved one not do well, you may judge them harshly because all you know is that. Um, so do you think you could speak a little bit more about how education on this subject combats stigma and discrimination? Absolutely. So I think one of the key things that we've seen is that people come in and they're skeptical, right? That was the exact word that somebody has used in a training. Um, I'm skeptical, you know, of our definition of recovery here at CCAR is you're in recovery when you say you are, right? People are skeptical of that. Somebody could use that as a cop-out. What if they're not really working a program? What What if, you know, it's not for me to judge it. Their recovery is their own to define and kind of educating people on what that looks like. It's almost like giving people that kind of permission to not have to judge others so Mm. harshly. You know, whatever your pathway is, whatever it may be, if it works for you, if you are on a pathway towards health and wellness, because recovery and, and combating the addiction part is just part of it. You know, a lot of people lose their livelihood, they lose their family relationships, support systems, access to healthcare. I mean, there's so many things that get just disruptive when addiction takes hold. And to me, 
what recovery coaches do well and what the RCA kind of starts to as an introductory course is let it's not just about that one piece you know like it's a spoke of the wheel to you know the detox or whatever that looks like but we're really look at helping people become better whole people you know we're looking at all of the things recovery coaches aren't just there to help somebody on that pathway they're there to help them build their support system so that they do get back if you know they've lost connections with their family we've seen people who have um because of recovery reconnected with their children i mean it's it's a whole process and so when you think about recovery as a process it's not just a matter of me as an ally or a family member looking at my dad of being sober or not, or not sober. It's he was able to get into an apartment. He was able to rebuild his credit. He was able to furnish his apartment. You know, it had nothing to do with the addiction anymore. It had to do with living a full, healthy life. And I think that's where allies family members can start to see what those things look like as opposed to just looking at well they're an addict they're never gonna get their stuff together they're never you know what I mean and it's like when I always look at myself as you know I'm lucky because I get to see kind of the miracle of recovery every day you know I it's I'm in it. I'm in it in the room with you guys. I'm in it in where I work. I've seen it in my own family, you know. And so when you start to see the other side of it, you start to see recovery as being possible for anybody. And I think it's that hope and optimism that anybody can recover that people will feel in the RCA. And I don't know any more experience that could be better than that, especially when it's hitting so many people right now. Yeah, I know that when when I got into recovery, I was looking for a very very narrowly focused. You know, when I got into recovery, my focus was very narrow. I wanted to figure out how to I don't know that I even wanted to stop. I just wanted to find a way to make uh, my addictions, my drinking uh manageable. And what I got was so much bigger and so much wider and broad a topic. You know, I, I am not able to, you know, I can't, I'm trying to phrase this in a way that makes sense. I can't try to fix one part of the situation while the rest of my life is falling apart. Mm -hmm. And it was completely in all areas. And so I'm grateful that I found a community that showed me, hey, you don't have to be doing this thing that's destroying your life. And guess what? You can also get some stuff back together. You know, you can get some positive outlook. You can get um, some respect for yourself. You can really engage with your community. I think one of the gifts for recovery of recovery for me has been the ability to engage with people again, the ability to be a, a productive member of society. So even when I'm not dealing with someone else who's in recovery, say I'm just out in the world or, you know, 
doing whatever I do throughout my day, I can be a positive role model for recovery and I can be a positive part of the world again. And I didn't have that when I was active and out there. Mm. So we were discussing a little bit earlier about the transition into virtual training. Um, you know, I feel like it. one of the reasons that it, it's been so successful is that it, it, it there's some removal of barriers. People are able to engage these trainings kind of on their own terms if they, you know, if they want to sit there with the camera off and they don't feel like looking at, at, at folks that day and they just want to take in the training, you know, by ear, they can do that. Um, what are some other ways that we've tried to meet people where they're at? you know, in this virtual space with all that's going on right now? I think one of the biggest things is that, you know, a lot of people used to think that they had to buy an airline ticket, get a hotel, come to Connecticut for the five-day training. And even though we have many trainers all over the country that are successfully training our programs, um, you know, we had a lot of people that kept wanting to come to what they would call the mothership to be trained. Um, and so what COVID-19 did is it took the barriers of having to travel, having to ask for hotel accommodations, meals and things away, and people could access the training from their computer. Um, Phil Valentine is world renowned. You know, people want to come and be trained by Phil Valentine and they get to, you know, they get to turn on their computer for five days in a row and and get to hear from from Phil himself, you know, and I think one of the pieces that has been really successful for us is that we looked to how can we still get people the same amount of hours, the same amount of information, but make it um, easily accessible virtually. So instead of coming in to a nine to four with an hour or lunch or whatever, you know, we've taken out some of the things that people would be doing on their own in the classroom and we've had them do that as pre-work. Um, so that when we come into the room, our time together on screen um, is really engagement and dialogue and interaction. Um, and so I think that we've been able to shift gears a lot. Um, and I think what's also been really successful is that we took some of those things that, that we've done to our own training program and shared those things with our trainers. So a lot of people are utilizing the pre-work come on screen, do your pre-work for the next day, come on screen. But what I've also seen is that people are starting to offer trainings in different time frames, right? So we typically offer ours Monday through Friday, um, but you could now offer this without having to worry about somebody traveling back and forth, back and forth. You could offer five Mondays a month. You can offer it in the evenings. You can offer it on weekends. And nobody has to kind of like worry about going from here to there. Um, right now I'm training a group for New Britain um, or emergency medical services and because of their schedule and the lack of ability to kind of like be off um, of doing their job, we're doing two small cadres. One is gonna meet every Tuesday morning and one is gonna meet every Wednesday afternoon for five weeks, you know? And we didn't have to worry about 
getting people there for five weeks or you let you know we're able to do that all on screen i just think of uh, an entire ambulance department saying no no you can't have a heart attack today uh we've got to go to training <laughs> i i hope that's cool with you but don't worry about medical emergencies we're good we're just going to be here um exactly i don't think that would fly <laughs> So as the as the Recovery Coach Academy and other trainings roll by, um, I would imagine that you've had the ability to see a lot of success stories of this. And can can you speak to watching kind of can you speak to some of the people that you've seen and fostered their learning? where they've gone out to and what they've done and how this is helping? Well, I think one of the biggest pieces for me, and um, I've been trained, you know, the first time I took the RCA was when I first started at CCAR in 2013. Um, I started in January. I took the RCA the third week, and I took the TOT, and I was training that year, you know. And so many people have come um, taken the RCA and done the TOT program so that they can go back to their communities What's and TOT? become and become trainers. So we call that the training of trainers program. Sorry, that's my my lingo a little bit. Yeah, um, we love and acronyms. so yeah, I know. <laughs> Every field of uh, has an acronym list like pages and pages. Um, but yeah, so our train the trainer program allows people to come take the RCA, stay a little bit longer in the evening and work with us on how they would facilitate it back home. And so they're able to replicate our training program back in their state. Um, and we've had people come, so Rod Rushing came from Colorado and now he has his very own RCO out in Colorado that is huge, you know, and, and during COVID-19 they've been doing virtual clubhouse meetings and things such as that. And there's an area of the country that we would have never imagined kind of, you know, being able to access training wise, but yet, you know, he was able to come, take the training and the TOT. And now he came, I think in 2014. And now this many years later, it's one of the most successful, largest RCOs out there in such a huge state. You know, one thing I love to see as far as, you know, what's happened with the Recovery Coach Academy, you know, I, when I took the RCA, I met people there and I've seen volunteers in the centers that went and took the RCA. And then I see them, you know, get certified, start working for CCAR, start working for other programs in the area. And, you know, to see someone who maybe a year ago or two years ago was in active addiction, really working to try to help others. Uh, you know, I think it's it, it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing for our community. It's a wonderful thing for recovery to to really see it. And I think that this training program has given an an avenue for me to see tangible proof that this is helping. Yeah, I you know the piece with certification. Um, is that as people started to look at this as a viable career path, you know, certification boards wanted to make sure that people were getting the proper training, the proper vetting, and, and that's what certification is. It's really about protecting the public from people who just throw up a shingle and say, hey, I'm a recovery coach, you know? Um, and so I believe that there are some value to being vetted by 
a body of people, whether it's a certification board, whether it's us through our recovery coach professional designation, to be able to give somebody that kind of badge of I've been trained, I've been vetted, I'm backed by a group of people that are going to vouch for me in in what I say I'm going to do, that I'm going to do it. Um, and so I think for me, when we first started, it, we had the RCA. And then we quickly saw that we were going to need ethics. But the, the whole thing with certification, with any job, is you need to get recertified. It's not just the initial, I did this, here's my badge. I need to continuously train. And so that's the piece about our training program that I am the most proud of, is that we constantly are adding to our curriculum, whether it be you know our supplemental programs like the emergency department, um, recovery coaching program, professionalism, spirituality, but we're also through our webinar training series, we've been able to you know give people a variety of opportunities to continuously build their professional development so that they can go and become recertified in the state if that's something that they're looking to do. Yeah, I see it as like just a just a, a full spectrum. You know, if, if, if someone's there for education, then then, they, then that's fine. There's plenty of opportunities for education. But for those who are looking at, at it as a career path or something like that, we provide like a full spectrum of, of trainings and opportunities that really protect the role of recovery coach. How do you think our, because, you know, we, we started talking a little bit about certifications um, and lots of times we know certifications are part of that system that tries to kind of put that recovery coach role in a box. How do you, how, how do you think the, and, and I could also say that CCAR training offers a, a designation rather than a certification called the recovery coach professional designation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like the, you know, kind of like towards the end of the continuum of the things that we offer folks. So could you explain a little bit about like what that process is like getting to the RCP and how our trainings and the RCP protect the role of a recovery coach? Sure, absolutely. So one of the things um, with certification is that um, under the umbrella of an international reciprocity consortium, the ICNRC, there is a certified peer recovery specialist certification that many states have adopted. And and if people have that in their state, that is completely, you know, absolutely get it. I have it. You know, why not add to, you know, the things that you can get to show that you've gone through a level of training and, and expertise, right? Um, but the thing with some of some of those certifications is that they're an umbrella for both substance and mental health. And so even though I know very clearly where my training is, um, because I have that certification, you know, it kind of gives me that blanket where I maybe could get a job doing something that I'm not particularly qualified for. Um, you know, and so I think that's something that, you know, with the recovery coach professional designation, um, we're recovery coaches. That's what we're doing. And that's also what we're, um, I want to say, testing um, when we bring people in through the interview process. We want to know. Are you able to do the things that we've began building the concepts of in the RCA? We talk about 
on the very first day, treating people as resources. Um, we talk about on the third day, motivational interviewing, asking good questions. Second day, active listening. And then throughout the RCA is the discovering and managing my own stuff. And so we look at that as those are what we believe are recovery coaching fundamentals, right? Treating people as resources, actively listening to them, asking good questions, and putting my own stuff aside so that I can lead that person to what they want their recovery to look like. And so that's what our designation, our interview, that's what we we ask about. We want to know, is somebody able to put their own pathway aside to give somebody like a non-biased you know, this is this is how I would help this person. We go through case studies. We ask questions. And so I think where certification has its place because there are many states that if you want to work there, you have to be certified. That's, that's a systematic thing. I'm not going to argue with it. I'm not, you know, people need jobs. They need to get certified. I get it. You know, but we look at our recovery coach professional designation is kind of looking at have you developed the art or your art and science in order to be designated by CCAR. I mean, we are seen as the gold standard, so to have that additional badge of getting your RCP, people want that. You know, people want to say that they've been vetted by CCAR. Um, people, you know, can have both. You know, I look at it as a, as a both and. Mm. You know, the more pieces that I have behind me to show that I'm serious about this, to me, why not build your resume, you know? Not to mention there are some states that have no certification. There is no vetting process. They don't have it. It's not available yet. In um, the UK, where I mentioned this new um, group of trainers is going to start kicking off, they don't have anything. And so they can come to us. They can do all of their training, virtually even. They can do the train the trainers and start training people there. They can go through us to get their RCP designation, and then they can similarly then join our International Association of Recovery Coach Professionals and build a network where they maybe not have one. Right. You know, and I, I, I totally agree. I think it, it definitely means something to, to be recognized as a recovery coach professional by a C-card. It denotes a level of excellence. Um, and you just mentioned the International Association of Recovery Coach Professionals, a new initiative that we've got. Um, but I think it's real quick to also, um, a real, real important to quickly mention also that, you know, yes, we are the global leader in recovery coach training. Yes, the recovery coach professional designation is the gold standard. Yes, the International Association of Recovery Coach Professionals, um, you know, helps a lot of people out and has reach throughout the country, but it's not about the glorification of CCAR, it's not about self-promotion. The money we make, we put directly back into recovery support services. Isn't that right, Stacey? Yes, as a matter of fact, you know, a lot of the things that we've been able to do in Connecticut, um, the additional centers, the additional supports that we have at those centers, Every piece or every book that we sell, everything that we do goes right back into um, supporting people in Connecticut. Um, as well as, you know, I kind of look at, you know, because we've been successful in how we've kind of developed that kind of business model of pulling in the training 
proceeds back into our centers has really given us the ability to tell people if you can't get funds from your single state agency, if you can't get, you know, the dollars that you need, you know, you could look at training as a funding stream to help supplement, you know, some of the things that you want to do. And I think to me, that's been where CCAR has really been um, hugely successful because it's, it. we always look at, at things as win-win, Right. Like it's not just about profiting CCAR and people here in Connecticut. It's about building other people up so that they can be set up to do the same thing. Building the recovery capital of the country in the movement. Absolutely. Like, you know, like I said, with Rod Rushing going out to Colorado, utilizing what he was able to take from his visit here, his training here and go out and do things differently because Colorado is a very different state, hugely different, a lot of rural areas and everything else. But, you know, to be able to kind of take that seed of just recovery coaching and build it into a whole recovery community organization there, that I mean, that's what we dream about. You know, I would love to see RCOs everywhere. Um, and I think that's been the really cool thing is that, you know, Don, you had asked earlier, you know, where have we seen successes? It's people who come here, take what we, you know, freely give to them and then go and make something even better, even greater, you know? Um, it's not about, like you said, glorifying CCAR. It's about planting seeds and having this really positively affect the recovery movement. You know, in in years from now, you know, Phil's going to be retired. You know, people are going to start, you know, we want to see other people being able to kind of continue the legacy that has been put in place here. And I, there's so many people out there that need help share the wealth you know what i mean like go out there and and do some good that's what recovery is all about absolutely so we mentioned the international association of recovery coach professionals kind of quickly there um you want to tell me a little bit about what inspired um you you and your team to to start this and what are the benefits of membership So I think one of the biggest things um, and the reasons why we started it is because we looked at um, there being areas that didn't have um, certification and um, huge populations of recovery coaching. Um, We talk, and Phil even wrote, you know, no recovery coach is an island. You need to be able to network with other other recovery coaches, um, share resources, share ethical things that you've been through, talk things out, um, just to connect, even if it's for your own self-care or to, you know, to talk to somebody and be like, this is what I was thinking, you know, am I on the right track, you know, Um, and many different fields have professional associations. And so we thought, you know, why, why not create something? Um, People who come through the RCA, they already feel like kind of like they're kindred spirits with everybody else. Any, you know, why not create something at a professional level? And again, just like people want to have that badge of the RCP, you know, it's, it's similarly something to aspire to be part of this international association. And as we start looking at training people in other countries, especially now because of being able to offer trainings online, um, to be able to network with people across the globe about what their struggles are 
to me is just going to be huge. And yes, there are some membership benefits. You know, we have, um, you know, marketing materials, lo- things with the logo and things so that you can, you know, kind of build your business that way. Um, some discount membership programs. But to me, the biggest benefit is the ability to network with other people that are doing similar things to what you're doing. You know, and it's it's another, it's one of our organizational principles, I believe it's one of the organizational principles, organizing the recovery movement. Mm-hmm. And this is just another way to, to do just that. Um, you know, I think by, by, by organizing those that have been, you know, qualified and quantified as as experts, recovery coach professionals, it also starts to, and, and then kind of bringing them into a, a trade trade group, which is essentially what the IIRCP is, it also starts to move in the direction of leveraging that population as far as power as a voting block to oppose or support legislation that puts the recovery coach role in danger. Um, I see so much potential for the, for the IIRCP. Where can people find out some more information about IARCP, RCP, and our training, Stacy? So, um, very easily. So, even if you just went to the CCAR website, there is a menu tab for training, and you'll get transferred right to our website. Or you can go to addictionrecoverytraining.org. Um, that will give you... Um, access to our training calendar, information about certifications, if that's what you're looking for, um, information about uh, the RCP. We have everything is right there on our our front page. You just click a button and it'll take you to that information. If you're looking in particular to kind of look at the IARCP in general, recoverycoachprofessional.org is the website for that organization. This is excellent. Well, I really appreciate you joining us here today. I think my takeaways are thank you for the solid gold couch I'm sitting on because of all of that training money. Um, no, to, to be clear, we are a nonprofit and we we run lean and mean. We 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 really are able to reinvest the, the money back into the community and helping people. Um, so I, I appreciate all that you're doing here at CCAR, and uh, it's great to have some time to talk to you today. Thank you both. I'm really excited that I was invited in. And, um, you know, if you need to get in touch with me, um, I'll probably be in a training program. <laughs> I'll be on our Adobe Connect platform conducting a training. For the foreseeable future. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Stacy, it was a pleasure to talk to you today. Thanks for joining us on Recovery Matters. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Recovery Matters. We hope that you've connected in some way with what you've heard. For more information, you can find us on the web at ccar.us. Like and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at CCAR, the number four, recovery. And use the hashtag recoveryfirst to show support for our mission. Fire feeds fire, so if yours is burning right now, reach out and share it with someone.